Triple HFM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants, HK Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Here's your host, the raging bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Anthony the Bull Caruso here for another episode and as we start winding our way down towards the end of 2021, we're going to continue our look at a theme that we've been investigating the last couple of weeks, and it is the great footballing rivalries. Last week, we did bring you the top 10 Australian football rivalries with our good friend Joe Migliani from Apia Leichhardt. Tonight, we're going to go back to the old country. We're going to go to England, the mighty, mighty England, and we're going to talk about the top 10 English football rivalries. And to do that, we need to bring back our... Chief football correspondent, our mad Aston Villa fan. He knows a thing or two about English football rivalries. The spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto, good evening to you. Good evening, Bull. Pleasure to be here, especially talking about English football and and the history behind it, what makes it so enjoyable, the rivalries that uh, exist within the walls of of Great Britain and, and and football really keen to go through what we think is our best 10. Hopefully people agree with us. Hopefully some people disagree with us. That's all of the fun with these top 10s. But we've definitely got some uh, some big, big rivalries to talk about and uh, run through over the, uh, the course of uh, the next hour. And when you consider the history of English football as well, this has been something that's been going for over 140 years with over 120 clubs playing in the football league at some way, shape or form. And the rivalries that can develop from it can date centuries back in terms of what it means to the people there. Exactly right. And it's something that I think all sports uh, across the globe are really, really striving for is that is that rivalry that exists um, with the fans, you know, more so than anything. We've really kind of, I think, in the last, you know, I would say 10 to 20 years, kind of lost that that rivalry between players and, and then playing for their respective clubs. Now that they all kind of are a little bit more friends with each other and it's more professional, you know, long gone other days of watching Roy Keane, two foot slide tackles on every Manchester city player uh, or, or every Liverpool player or uh, Gary Neville, you know, not shaking hands with, with Peter Smichael after he, he moved to a different club, you know, long gone are those kind of days where the rivalry exists with, within the players and you don't really see it as much on the TVs. It's in the history where, and, and in the, and the fan base where, and the culture that it still exists. And that's exactly what makes English football so great is that there, there is such a rich history of, of rivalries uh, between uh, all the different particular clubs across the nation and the leagues. It's so big, this, that it made it very difficult. So we had to put in some rules in place, Dom. So the two rules that we do have is that where possible, we have limited the rivalries to one per region. Now, given the size of some of these cities, there may be one or two that get multiples, mainly London in particular. So we won't go too harsh on London, but we do try to limit it to one per region. The more critical rule is one rivalry per club. Otherwise, you're going to see one or two clubs just appear in every rivalry. 
Yeah, exactly right. So we've avoided, you know, using the likes of, of Manchester United, Liverpool, Manchester City, um, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea uh, more than once. Obviously, they could, you know, within the, the last few years, that uh, top six rivalry could almost be in a category of its own. But we've avoided that and focused purely on the club to club matchups regionally mostly. But uh We've, as you, there are a few that are you know, quite distant at the same time, which have a bit of history behind them. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the referees out in the middle. I think I think it's Mike Dean for this one as well. Oh, so, really? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, if we ever need controversy, we know where to go. Exactly right. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Mike Dean is the man who knows how to uh, referee a football match in dramatic circumstances. Absolutely. We're all set to go and kickoff is underway. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. And I'm going to kick things off here tonight with number 10 of our English football rivalries. And we're going to go to the East Midlands for this one, the East Midland Derby. It is normally between, uh, you could choose any one of three clubs to participate in this, but in the interest of going through the most famous of the lot, we are going to focus on the East Midlands Derby, and it is Derby County versus Nottingham Forest. Yeah, really big uh, rivalry between these two clubs for many a century. You know, Nottingham Forest in particular are one of the oldest teams in the Premier, in, sorry, in the Premier League, in English football uh, and Derby, you know, a little bit younger. Um, the, the Midlands uh, has a lot of rivalries between each other. And it's quite a tight-knit space, um, but not quite like London, but as a region. There's probably more key rivalries within this region than there are compared to other regions across England. London obviously being, you know, quite up there. But when you think about it, you know, London, you've got your things... Uh, which we'll obviously mention a bit later, but, you know, there's a few city there, but there's not too many really strong rivalries. But the Midlands is where there's a lot of teams next to each other and they all don't like each other very much. And this is one of them uh, in particular. And we, as we spoke about Bull in uh, in our own time, that it was quite difficult to choose which ones that we would go with because there are so many to go with. And I'm sure we'll have some honourable mentions for those ones in particular. But this one, historically, you know, has a real sort of element of closeness to it, right? It, there's, it, when you think about a lot of rivalries out there, you know, you look at the stats, there hasn't been, you know, there's usually quite a contrast in success, right? In this particular one, there is literally pound for pound the exact same amount of uh, football won. The, uh, they've, they've played against each other 133 times. They both have 49 wins against each other. They've drawn 35 times. There's, you know, they've each won you know, four or five trophies. Well, obviously Nottingham Forest, you know, has won a couple of European titles, but within English football, they've won pretty much the same amount of domestic silverware. They're so neck and neck, but they're just like inseparable. And I think that's what makes them one of the really, I would say, underrated rivalries within English football. We we often talk about those that they say, as they say, cross the divide. Those that have represented both clubs, either as a coach or a manager. The players that have often switched between these two clubs have happened sort of way back when, and we're talking back in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. We started, and it all started off with a gentleman by the name of Stuart Imlach, who was really one of the first major players to leave for another club for money. And back in those days, the money that he left for is not anything to sneeze at either. No, back in the day, a, a solid £5,000 to make the 
you know, the, the, the 10 mile trip down the road, um, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, funny considering, uh, uh, the money that we see now in, in sport, it kind of brings a smile to your face, but he went on to win, excuse me, the FA cup with Nottingham forest, uh, in his switch, um, not straight away, but did eventually, did eventually claim it. I think, in that, uh, I'm not too sure which year it was, but you know, you know, did eventually move move across. But obviously, not the only person that uh, moved across. It kind of sparked uh, uh, his move. Sort of sparked an exodus of, of players that moved uh, back and forth between uh, each club, pending on their success. Obviously, Forest had quite a bit of, as uh, I excuse me, Derby had quite a bit of success in the '60s, and they acquired players from Nottingham Forest. Uh, guys like Roy Patrick, Alan Hinton, Terry Hennessy, Harry Newton, probably most famously Frank Wignall from them. And then in 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 retrospect, when Nottingham had a that at Forest had that good run in the seventies, the likes of John O'Hare, John McGovern, and and Archie uh, Gimmel and Colin Todd did the opposite and went the other way. So you know it, it's got a certain feel to it. This uh, this rivalry, where doesn't it based on success? But in recent times, again, find themselves in the same same, same league, competing for the same results. Back getting back into the top flight of English football. Um, obviously, Derby at the moment are in a, in all sorts, right? Having gone, you know, into administration following um, some bad fines that they received off the back of um, financial fair play rules and their push to get to the Premier League under Frank Lampard. Wayne Rooney's in charge, didn't go so well. So hopefully they kind of fix themselves up and, you know, don't drop down because otherwise the matches between these two great sides are going to die out quite quickly. But we can't leave this rivalry without me mentioning the the biggest name between these two clubs, and it is one Brian Clough. As manager of Derby County, he took the Rams to two league titles and went within a whisker of a European Cup final. He went even further, of course, with that famous Nottingham Forest team, winning the European Cup twice and a UEFA Super Cup. Such is the respect between these two clubs for Clough that they've now named a trophy in his honour, played for the victor of matches between these two. And really, yeah, how can you say anything else? But this is a guy that really stamped himself with authority on the Midlands. Yeah, absolutely. Brian Clough, a, a big name in, in British football. You know, obviously having great success with both those two clubs. He's obviously had success elsewhere as well. He, you know, is synonymous with, with the East Midland derby. And, uh, you know, we haven't really seen uh, anyone else kind of match that kind of, you know, effect in terms of the results and the and the culture and the atmosphere that he brought, you won't see anything like it again, I don't think. But, you know, it, nothing, I think, makes a, a sport more, or a rivalry more exciting, I should say, when you have one famous name kind of playing both sides of the coin. Let's go to number nine. And we're going to make a sh- the jump over to the east coast of England for a little bit, one that's a little bit more obscure to some people, but one of our good friends, Ben Southgate, could speak to this very well. It is the East Anglian derby between Ipswich Town and Norwich City. Yeah, it's um, a really, really uh, awesome rivalry uh, that you have between these two. And one, you know, that has historically, you know, gained some numbers, but hasn't quite I suppose t- kicked off in the last few years with Norwich obviously having a bit more fun and passing, you know, back and forth between the Premier League. So the and Ipswich kind of, you know, sitting down the bottom of uh, the Championship or the or the or the league or League One at the moment. But you know, there's, there's still a lot of history between between these two, and you know, there's as you mentioned, there's uh, 
you know they're they're very close to each other, but you know, and they 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 they're very close in terms of the stats as well. You know, and it and it's a fierce rivalry, and you know, it's a shame they don't get to play each other more often, but one that not people won't be too familiar with. No, absolutely, and. You know, the last time these two teams saw each other was in 2018-19, the 3-0 win to um, Norwich City. And, of course, this is when they kicked on and the all that hype that we all remember from a couple of years ago, everyone talking about the Pookie party. Um, you know, Timu Pookie scoring twice in this game. And this really also all but confirmed Ipswich Town getting relegated to League One. Yeah, I know. Um, that would have been, a, I think, a... Uh, a nice thing for the uh, Norwich fans to see, uh, famously when, uh, as you mentioned, when Pookie uh, was was in was in red hot form for them in the championship. Obviously, he's not having that uh, success at the moment, which is why they were, you know, dwindling down the bottom of the of the Premier League. Now they might be uh, looking on the way up with a, with a new manager on board. Yeah, there's, there's, like I said, I'm I, not too much to say about these two sides. You know, as I mentioned, they played almost 150 times against one another. Ipswich actually leads the uh, the count in terms of wins on sixty over fifty eight, um, despite the, the 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 more success you would say Norwich has had in in recent times. It's hard to say that the you know where this rivalry will, will end up in the next five to ten years, with both sides kind of going in a different trajectory. Norwich obviously being that kind of like I suppose the the richer side of, t- of town. Um, having more success, having bigger ownerships than Ipswich, but obviously you know there's that, and that's what creates the biggest rivalries, right? The what the 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 teams that are, you know, kind of the the rich versus the poor, or the or the strong versus the versus the weak, um, the you know the the favourites versus the underdogs. That's where this rivalry really kind of exists, right? And hopefully, you know, maybe in the near future we might see them uh, clash in a in an FA Cup or a League Cup. Let's make the jump back over the country now, and we're gonna go. We're gonna go into Wales for this next one. Eighth place, it is the South Wales Derby. No, not the New South Wales Derby. It is the old South <laughs> Wales Derby, Cardiff City and Swansea City. Yeah, look, these two clubs are the only Welsh teams that play in, you know, English top flight football or in professional football, you, you should say, Cardiff and Swansea City. So easily they're, uh, they're going to be rivalries uh, straight off the bat. Both have had, you know, fleeting uh, touches with the Premier League. Most famously, probably Swansea City uh, until their eventual departure down back into the championship. They haven't really been able to find that success that they had under that team all those years ago. And, and you know, the, the likes of Wilfred Boney and uh, and uh, and Michu up front and, and Ashley Williams at the back, along with Michael Vorm in goals. They, you know, and they had lots of guys... Uh, you know, playing there like Kira, like Kira Dyer, you know, they just haven't had that same success. And Cardiff, obviously, you'd had a, had a good couple of years in the Premier League too. But both of them now find themselves in the EFL. Uh, their rivalry going stronger each and every year as they've kind of made themselves uh, custodians of that league in the last few years. They've got, as you mentioned, uh, really strong teams. Uh, in, at the moment, and maybe soon we'll see them back in the Premier League. That'd be exciting if both of them were in the Premier League at the same time, uh, going up against each other. It would definitely give the rivalry that bit more traction. Um, but obviously, you know, being the two biggest sides in Wales and you know playing in the English Premier League, um, there's no you know there's no doubt that we couldn't put them on this list. And not only that, but this has been marked as, and not many people will know this, but this has been marked as one of those fiercest 
rivalries in terms of hooliganism to occur, none more so that occurred back in 1993 in what became known as the Battle of Ninian Park when Swansea City supporters ripped chairs out of positions and started throwing them at Cardiff City supporters and it actually resulted in the Cardiff fans invading the pitch to return the fight. And then, you know, we mentioned him again, Mike Dean assaulted by Cardiff fans after giving a penalty and they threw coins at him. It's so funny to think that that would happen in, in such a peaceful town or peaceful land of in Wales, you know? <laughs> um, but obviously not the case. Uh, Mike Dean, our official for the day, as I mentioned, never too far away from the trouble. Uh, and as you mentioned, back in 1997, he was under under the cosh, that's for sure. Luckily, he, was, uh, he, he turned out okay. But obviously, it's those kind of stories that make rivalries like this, like, huge, you, you know, and... Uh, and you know, as I mentioned, being, you know, the two biggest teams inside one country competing in a league that's not even in your in, in your nation, there's obviously going to be hatred there that's uh, long-lasting and, and never changing. Let's move on to number seven. And this is a really difficult one for me because, you know, we, we try to stick to that one per one rivalry per region rule. And we're going to go in and around the greater Birmingham area, an area, an area that you have a lot of affection for, Dom. Mm-hmm. And I had two rivalries to really pick from. In in the end, I picked one that has was rated at one stage the fiercest rivalry in English football. It is the Black Country Derby between West Bromwich Albion and Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yeah, as I mentioned, there's there's quite a few of these rivalries within this region, and uh, this is one of them. I'd had another one in particular that I might have mentioned, but. Uh, We'll save that one for an honourable mention. But, you know, these two sides, West Brom and Wolves, really don't like each other. Uh, 16 kilometres apart. And as you mentioned, you know, over a decade ago, it was arguably English football's fiercest rivalry. At at the time, they played a, a lot of matches against each other. West Brom leading the charge uh, ahead of that in ter- on 65 wins to Wolverhampton-Wanderers, Wolverhampton Wanderers 53 uh, Wolves in recent times have had a bit more success than than West Brom, who have been you know in and out of the Premier League. But both sides have had an abundance of players that have all played for each uh, each club and Big names you know, as well. Exactly right, and have won very similar amount of of domestic titles as well. Well, let's go through those players that have made the the jump across the Black Country, and uh, the the five names that we've been able to dig up for this: um, Andy King, who was a big English midfielder and defender in the eighties. Um, Steve Bull, again, represented England 13 times. He was a West Brom junior before he spent his entire career with Wolves. Here's the first of the big ones, Andy Gray. Yeah, Andy Gray, obviously football turned uh, co-commentator for those who know and play FIFA a lot. Hasn't been on it in, in recent times as uh, EA decided to go with a, a much worse combination. And... You know that there's elements to you know this game, and you know, and sorry, in, you know, more players like this, like him, who were who were big and played across uh, both clubs. Jolene Lescott played for both sides as well. He even played for Aston Villa inside the Millens as well one year. So he he really did uh, have a bit of a, a flirt with all those clubs. 
And even most famously now, people will know as Bakari Sacco, the Ivorian winger who spent three seasons at Wolves before a brief free agent period with West Bromwich Albion. So there's, you know, been a lot of players that have that have switched between clubs, but not that many in the grand scheme of things, which, you know, shows that there is a a, a certain element of uh, respect that players have when they choose to play for each either one of those clubs that they don't end up playing for the other one. Well, let's make the let's make the the drive down south, shall we, Dom, for the let's next one? Absolutely. Let's get let's get on the road here. And in position number six, it's one that not only is a rivalry in terms of the football, but it's a rivalry in terms of culture. It is the South Coast Derby, Portsmouth versus Southampton. Yeah, it's good to get out of the Midlands and, and down to the northern part of England in, in the South Coast. Uh, Portsmouth and Southampton have had a, a checkered history in uh, the Premier League. Obviously, Southampton hadn't really been around for a very, very long time. Back when I used to watch the Premier League as a, as a kid, it was Portsmouth who was there all the time uh, for, for a number of years and had some historic and famous players who had played for them and they were really fun to watch and as you mentioned they were managed by you know Harry Redknapp at a time which uh, meant that they were you know obviously no small club whatsoever and then obviously they had their financial troubles and have sort of slumped all the way down to sort of England English football's dwellings League two, exactly. League two, I wasn't too sure how far they'd really gone down. Where Southampton obviously went the other way off the back of really investing in some huge, in a huge and very productive youth academy, which has seen a plethora of players come through and, and go on to be world beaters. I could honestly, I could mention that, you know, a few off the top of my head, but we'd hear, be here all day. Um, we don't have time for that, unfortunately. We're here to talk rivalries, not youth academy products. Um, but it's a shame because both sides really haven't been able to play each other. In, in the last few years, right? And uh, and it's difficult to say where they would kind of exist in terms of current rivalries and, and uh, based on how serious they really be. But historically, these two really don't like each other. They're the two of the most famous South Coast clubs, you know, uh, probably outside of English football. If you're a casual fan, you know, you'd, you'd say Portsmouth, Southampton, those are the clubs they know. If you were to mention teams like Brighton or Bournemouth, People will be like, who? Like, like, I don't know who they are. Whereas Portsmouth and Southampton, people know these two and are synonymous with the South Coast football. You know, both of them, again, very close in, in terms of uh, wins uh, against one another. Uh, and I've had, you know, like I mentioned, a, a quite a few uh, decent players play on both sides of the, of the, uh, the South Coast. Interesting one in terms of culture here, because this is one that's been built on a maritime rivalry. For those who don't know, Portsmouth was a uh, military naval base, while Southampton was a merchant naval base. Of course, Southampton being where both like the Titanic, for example, would be launched off when they were heading for ships, while Portsmouth was the naval military side of the south coast so certainly those rivalries between the sailor um and the and sort of those port towns absolutely massive there and then as you go through the divide you mentioned harry redknapp has coached both teams alan ball has uh played for both both teams david Connolly, and two names that really do stand out first one a very recent one peter crouch has played for both clubs and then one that a lot of cricket fans would know, not many so footballers, but a very close connect football connection is a gentleman named CB Frydom. Yeah, uh, <laughs> CB Frydom, not many people know him, but many cricketers do. Um, was a successful captain for England who played uh, football for both clubs 
So, interesting fact, he's uh, also a great uncle of popular English comedian, a no-known cr- cricket and football tragic, and board member of Norwich City, Stephen Fry. Mate, how about that? It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool stat. A pretty cool fact, to be fair. Yeah, and of course, for those who don't know, Stephen Fry, obviously, we we do know a massive football fan. Yeah, you know, and but his heart is with Norwich City, unlike his his great uncle who split his time on the South Coast. Interestingly, as well, Dom, you mentioned before, there's only been one match in the South Coast derby in the last ten years. But what a match that was, and certainly the hype that led up to this when the two teams met each other in September 2019 in the League Cup. Yeah, it was uh, it was good to see it it, it hit some time, and I think that's something that will always keep the uh, uh, the FA Cup and the and the League Cup alive in these rivalries, right? Uh, and the chance that you know you know the the teams that we mentioned before uh, and these two in Portsmouth and Southampton may actually come up against each other if the draw. Uh, is 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 forgiving enough and, and and we're lucky enough and you know it was a it was a good matchup once again at Fratton Park uh, very one sided affair as we thought so, so you know it would be Southampton going away with a four 0 win um, headlined by a double by Danny Ings at the time it, it, but you know most notable uh, for Southampton it was their first win on the, in the South Coast derby for fourteen and a half years because the last time they met before that was back in two thousand and five in the FA Cup. Yeah, absolutely. A long time between drinks in that one there, and we hope to see more of it. And I can at least, you know, sit here and quietly gloat, gloat that we do currently have the Bickies in the South Coast Derby. Um, before we go, we do have two honourable mentions that we're going to mention. One of them very much uh, – actually, two of them are going to be very much connected with cl- clubs and teams that we have mentioned previously. The first one here, very unlucky that this one did miss out. And a quick word from yourself, Dom, because this one is very close to your heart. It is the Birmingham Derby, Aston Villa versus Birmingham City. Yeah, the second city derby, arguably up there with the Black Country Derby as well, and you could have probably had it in here easily. We decided against it because traditionally Aston Villa have – been the the much bigger uh, successor in this rivalry, so it's quite one sided. Um, obviously, they got to play against each other last, you know, in the last five years when Villa had that sudden decline in 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 form when they dropped into the into the Championship and they spent a few years battling it out to to get back into the Premier League, which saw them come up against um, you know against each other most notably in in recent times. Aston Villa took on Birmingham and. Um, when and you know local boy and and star player Jack Grealish was playing, and a fan from Birmingham ran off the field at at uh, at St Andrews and uh, punched him in the face. Um, that's uh, the kind of rivalry that that you get from the from the second city derby. So that was my nomination uh, for something that did, some one of the rivalries that didn't make this top ten. The other one is one that's also very close to you because we're going to save the other two for when we talk about t- other rivalries that are closer to them. It is one for a bit of fun, a very very recent one, but it's it's great to see that this is now built up and you can still make a rivalry today. It is the Don's Derby. AFC Wimbledon versus MK Dons. Yeah, it, you know, he's you know a long, long time ago. For those who don't know, obviously they were, you know, essentially what? Well, it was AFC Wimbledon, and then they got split and became the the, the MK Dons, and um, you know had a lot of players, you know, go back and forth and played for both sides, and you know it was one of those historic kind of um, uh, rivalries for you know almost like a I would call a, a cult classic. 
when it came to rivalries, these two. And uh, they still have a fierce rivalry and they, they, they play in the same league as well. So uh, it's one of English football's hidden gems. Oh, absolutely it is. Ladies and gentlemen, with that, we've just reached half time. We're going to need to catch our breath after that because when we come back, it is the top five English football rivalries. You are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other, with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable. ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Hornsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo and free live music, or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbrsl.com.au you for further details. Hornsby RSL Club, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. 
Anthony Le Caruso with the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. And we are talking the top 10 English football rivalries. We've just gone through 10 to through to six. I listed a couple of honorable mentions. We're going to get straight back into it because, Dom, there is so much more rivalry football to, to talk about. And we're going to now go on to number five. And it's one that has had two particular peaks throughout its history, but one that should never be discounted, especially given the rivalry that they now have today. It is the Manchester Derby, Manchester City versus Manchester United. Yeah, huge, this rivalry in terms of uh, modern football, right? Obviously always been there. Now, for me, I must say, I'm putting my hand up. People might hate me for this one, but like... I- I, we obviously you originally had it a bit higher. I really had to force you to put this a bit lower because I, I whilst I think the rivalry now is very, very you know strong, I don't think it's always been traditionally strong. Manchester United uh, have had obviously huge success for many, many years, and it's only really been in the last decade as Manchester City finally caught up under the new ownership of uh, Sheikh Mansour, who obviously funneled in millions and billions of dollars into the club to get them to be the the, the heavyweight of, of, of English and not just English football, but world football in recent times. Uh, still obviously chasing that that uh, elusive Champions League title. But for many years, they were they were nothing, right? They, did, they, really, had no, they really didn't have much. And uh, against uh, Manchester United, they, they, didn't re- they couldn't really hold a candle, right? And... and that's why I think it sits in this position because for many years, you I think Manchester United would have considered teams like Leeds United or in particular Liverpool or Arsenal to be fiercer rivals than Manchester City. But that doesn't mean that this rivalry is not fierce at the moment because now both teams are absolute powerhouses, are enjoying successes very regularly and are competing against each other at the same level. So this is why it's now fierce because they really now I think have a true city derby where both teams on on the are, are, and it's rare because there's not too many in world football in general that have that ability to say we're from the same city and we have the same successes. You know, you could really name only two others that could match that. You obviously take uh, sorry, you know, potentially the Milan derby uh, in in Italy and. Uh, I don't know what else you could really, really and obviously the one in, in Scotland between Rangers and Celtic. Uh, so this one is a, is now a proper city derby in my mind and has had some, you know, some great players play across the both clubs in, in many a time. Let's go through some of those players that, and indeed maybe managers as well, who have managed both clubs throughout that time. And probably arguably one of the most famous ones is the lawman, Dennis Law, who achieved brilliant success with Manchester United, but then went to Manchester City and did the unthinkable to Manchester United. He did. <laughs> he scored against them. Uh, not to, not just once, but a few times as well. Uh, Dennis Law, and obviously had great successes on the blue side of, of the city as well as the, uh, the red side. You know, these other players you can think mm. of, Carlos Tevez in modern times as well. Went across and uh, and uh, eventually won a title with Manchester City and played a big role in that year that they that they won a title. Yeah, well, Dennis Law, for those of you who don't know, he did score against Manchester United as well. But one of them in particular was the goal that forced Manchester United into relegation. I think for the only time, well, one, well indeed, one of the few times. Actually, I'm just going to have a quick look at it now. No, it it is the first. It was the first time that they had been relegated 
since World War II. So that's how much of an impact it had. So much so, of course, that he that he took substituted himself off the field once that happened. Um, the other player of note who did spend time between the two, Peter Schmeichel, the great Dane, had course, played yeah. a season at Manchester City. Yeah, he did. And you mentioned him at the top of the show. I did. Well, there's a very great video. There's a great video of the matchup that he played against uh, uh, Manchester United, where uh, he famously went up to say hello to Gary Neville about asking him to swap sides in in the tunnel ahead of a match, and Gary Neville gave him the cold shoulder, which was which was you know something you don't really see anymore. A great vibe, nonetheless, uh, in terms of the you know and a good in uh, sorry a good insight into you know what the rivalry is all about. Let's not forget the two players who played for one club and then managed another, because there are two very famous names in this. First off, Sir Matt Busby, who played for Manchester City before managing Manchester United to a European Cup. And old Sparky himself, Mark Hughes, of course, famously part of Manchester United before managing Manchester City. Yeah, he did, uh, Mark Hughes, and he actually had a one of the one of the most famous games of all time between them. He was in charge of was the the was the was the goal after the 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 Fergie time goal. Uh, obviously, that Alex so Alex Ferguson had a a great sort of reputation for managing to get Manchester United scoring goals in the very, very last uh, minutes and seconds of matches. So much so that it came about two or three minutes after the whistle should have been blown. And this one famously uh, was a was a, was a 4-3 win when Michael Owen scored in, I think, in, you know, 95 plus, uh, you know, 95 minutes of, of football when it should have been ended in 93 minutes and scored a, a famous winner at Old Trafford. Mark Hughes in, in charge at the time. He obviously didn't have the, the acumen to take him uh, to the title when he was replaced by Roberto Mancini, um, who did eventually take him to the title. But yeah, a huge, uh, or Bamba Pellegrini, I think it was first, who didn't and then was replaced by but, uh, Mancini, who did eventually get them there. But yeah, uh, Mark Hughes, fantastic player for Manchester United in his time. There's no doubt about that. Let's move on now to position number four for our top 10 rivalries. And it is one that not only has been famous in football throughout, throughout the years, but became even more famous when a certain... Netflix series came out to show one team's supposed return to the glory days, and then it all came crashing down. It is the Tynawea Derby, Newcastle United versus AFC Sunderland. Yeah, the Tynawea Derby, uh, a fierce rivalry, this one, between two historic clubs. Yes, in recent times, they haven't really been able to play each other as much as they would have liked, obviously, the Black Cats uh, dis, uh, dis, disembarking from uh, top light football some time ago with their financial troubles. Uh, in contrast, Newcastle probably won't be heading that direction at any time soon after they became the richest club in world football only just a couple of weeks ago. We, we, um, we can only expect that Kylian Mbappe might be ending up there at some point. Maybe. Well, he might do. <laughs> But I've heard he doesn't like the cold weather, so maybe he oh. might be a bit more of a, a bit, bit of a harder person to, to bring across. Um, but obviously these two sides have played a, a, an enormous amount of games against each other. Newcastle have obviously been the, the more successful side over, over time. But when you look at it in, in, in terms of league titles, it's actually Sunderland that have the higher honours in that respect. I mean, six league titles, but Newcastle having 
uh, their number in the domestic uh, sort of knockout competitions, taking six FA Cups. You know, Sunderland, as I mentioned, haven't played Newcastle in quite some time, but whenever they play each other, there's a there's a distaste. Uh, across the, the the football clubs, the fans, uh, and everyone involved. Oh, there absolutely is a distaste, and the, certainly most of the chants you even hear, no matter who they play against, you can hear them referencing each other in the chants. Most famously, now that chant after Sunderland went down into League One, and Newcastle United bringing out the chant, um, saying Sunderland are a massive club. Um, you know, the, the verses for that go on for ages, but. This has also been a rivalry marked in violence. And more often than not, it's around pitch invasions. Normally with rivalries, you might get marches where the the two fans will fight each other or maybe in the terraces. No, with these two, they don't mess around. They go straight for the pitch. Oh, yeah. There's uh, definitely an element uh, element of thuggery involved in in this rivalry and we'll get uh, more of those as we talk about some rivalries uh, further down this list but I tell you what they yeah, they they don't miss these two sides and they come up against each other there's a reason why it's it's ferocious and they have many a uh, law enforcement officers uh, on the scenes at these grounds to make sure that uh, uh, nothing uh, you know too uh, serious ever happens well let's hope that they that Sunderland get their act together and they they find themselves climbing back up but uh, like a few others this may be the one the only one of the few that only survives because of matches in the respective cup fixtures but we hope to see this again very soon let's move on to rivalry number three we're on the podium now and we've spoken about fierce intense rivalries. Now we're going to go to a rivalry that is often been nicknamed as the friendly rivalry. Probably one of the nicer ones that you'll ever come across. We mentioned one last week in our A-League and Australian football rivalries in terms of friendly rivalries being the one between the Wellington Phoenix and the Perth Glory in the distance derby. This one is the exact opposite in terms of distance. Indeed, there's a park between the two stadiums. We are talking the Merseyside derby, Everton versus Liverpool. Yeah, it's a, a great rivalry, this one. And as you mentioned, a little bit more friendly than some of the others on this list, but still, nonetheless, very competitive. Uh, Liverpool obviously having huge success. I mean, the, 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 the titles uh, that, the, that they have next to their, their name compared to, to Everton's is... Uh, is ginormous, 19 league titles, 7 FA Cups, 8 league Cups, 15 Community Shields, and then, more importantly, 6 European Cups and Champions Leagues, 3 UEFA Cups, 4 Super Cups, and 1 FIFA Club World Cup. Uh, that, I think, back in 2005, I imagine. Uh, and then Everton, look, not to be uh, shunned, one of England's uh, most historic clubs, part of the, the, I think, the 8 or 7 clubs remaining in the Premier League who have never been relegated from top-flight football Nine league titles, five FA Cups, nine Community Shields, one UEFA Cup win as well, and have always been competitive when, you know, Liverpool's in town. Absolutely. Well, I mean, whenever Liverpool's in town, Liverpool across the road almost from from them in terms of stadiums. Um, let's go in terms of the, the players who have crossed the divide between them and a couple of names coming up here in particular to mention. Uh, first off, Steve, Mc, Steve McMahon, captaining both teams. Nick Bambi, the highest fee Liverpool has ever paid for an Everton player at £6 million. But recently, 
a manager crossing the divide, or in this case, crossing the park in Rafael Benitez. Yeah, huge. Rafa Benitez obviously famously took Liverpool to that 2005 tri- triumph and missed out narrowly on a, on a couple of league titles against uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. But back at Everton at the moment and, and doing okay, Pike would be doing a little bit better, but uh, the famous English Premier League manager and Spanish manager, he's obviously, as you mentioned, playing both sides, uh, red and blue of, of, of Merseyside. Uh, which was which we always love to see. Absolutely, it doesn't stop there because, of course, both clubs very famous fans throughout the world. Of course, we all know the Beatles, for example, um, do like both clubs. There's a slight lean towards Everton between them, but look at this. This is this is where it gets really fun. The Everton fans who ended up playing for Liverpool, and look at the names on this. Yeah, I know Adam Lallana. Michael Owen, Jamie Carragher, Robbie Fowler, Steve McManaman, and Ian Rush, all very, very, very famous players in their own right, um, having, you know, growing up as Everton fans. And then on the other side of the coin, you look at players who were uh, Everton uh, professionals but played, uh, but were Liverpool supporters. You've got, uh, you know, Alan Harper, Gary Ablett, and most recently, Theo Walcott. Um, we talk about, in particular, the respect between these two teams. And I think you've got two of them you wanted to mention here. One with an absolutely beautiful moment that occurred between these two clubs. And one, uh, I, I would say, probably one of the best pieces of banter I've ever seen involving two football clubs. Yeah, exactly right. Um, you know, most notably, obviously, as we mentioned, uh, was uh, Everton uh, was supporting um, Liverpool when uh, they were finally exonerated from the Hillsborough disaster uh, when the, the Everton... Announces at Merseyside Derby match announced the names of all 96 victims with two kids walking out uh, in matching Liverpool and Everton jerseys uh, with a nine and six, uh, all while playing. Obviously, he ain't heavy. He's my brother in the background. So obviously, there's a massive element of respect in this uh, in this rivalry. And then obviously, the fun side of things after one particular loss for Liverpool against Ajax in the UEFA Cup uh, semi final, uh, it resulted in many. Uh, office tables having Ajax cleaning products placed there uh, by Evertonian friends. That's too good. Placing Ajax Ajax cleaning products on the table. That's very good. (laughs) Yeah, that's the kind of, I mean, honestly, you don't see very often in terms of football rivals. That's the kind of banter you actually enjoy. Exactly right. We need to see more of that, honestly. I mean, it's not quite the the, the shenanigans of Western Sydney Wanderers' um, conspiracy theories stealing the Sydney FC TFOs or setting fire to the canisters and whatnot, but that's, <laughs> that's very good. That is very good. Uh, let's go on to number two. We are getting to the business end well and truly, and this one here has stood the test of times in terms of footballing rivalries. And we've got a lot to talk about in terms of this rivalry here. We are going to London and not just any rivalry within London. It is the North London derby, Arsenal versus Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, a big uh, derby and one that I had to push up the, the list because I think it's the biggest in London, this rivalry, and, and, and one of the biggest in England. So, you know, both sides don't like each other. They've both, you know, been on the same level for a, for a number of years now. Obviously, Arsenal have won quite a few more titles than their than their rival Spurs. You know, the, the the great thing about this is obviously the argument around that Arsenal never were a part of North London. You know, years and years ago, before they made the the move to Highbury, 
at the time and moved into 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 Tottenham territory uh, at White Hart Lane. You know, both clubs don't play at those two stadiums anymore, uh, which is it, which is a shame. Obviously, there's been some famous matches and results at those stadiums. You know, and you know, have seen players jump cross ships and and. Uh, when they shouldn't have, and it's been, you know, really highlighted when when this happens as well. And even in the fans, you know, you, you know, when you when you when you walk around London, the, the rivalry between these two on game day is is just just incredible. Really, it, it it's something else. Well, let's talk about crossing that divide first off, making the drive between Emirates Stadium and what is now, even though officially called Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, we still call it White Hard Lane because it is built on the old stadium there. The three players, and boy, aren't they big names, William Gallas, Emmanuel Adebayor, and Sol Campbell. Obviously, uh, Sol Campbell, the biggest one uh, out, of that, out of that lot. Uh, but William Gallas, you know, he played across a lot of those uh, English uh, uh, London clubs. Chelsea was another one where he had most success. And then Emmanuel Adebayor. Look, Adebayor went to Spurs a lot later in his career, after his successes at Arsenal when he went to Manchester City. But he had success. He did go back to Spurs and obviously not too many fans were happy with that. But, I mean, this rivalry has been around since 1978, uh, really, when Tottenham was relegated to the second division, uh, only to bounce straight back up. So pretty much they've always been next to each other. Um, and at the moment, they're, they're very similar in terms of what they're trying to do in the Premier League and, and competitively have always been, you know, at, you know, arm's lengths of each other. And obviously Arsenal, as mentioned, had that great success under Arsene Wenger for many a year when Spurs kind of dwindled. But in recent times, Spurs have gone on to be more of a powerhouse in, in, in London rather than Arsenal. But And it's so close and so fierce. I think this rivalry, when you think about rivalries in England, this is the rivalry that people know of, you know, most famously. Uh, and they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, we know the North London derby. You know, you, they know that it's the North London derby. You know, when they say North London, you're like, oh, I know what teams you're talking about. Absolutely. And, yeah, we know what happens on the streets when this starts getting fired up. You start... You start seeing the fierce hatred between the two. And indeed, uh, I, I still have memories in particular when Arsenal won the FA Cup. I think it was their last trophy that they won under Arsene Wenger and that famous bus and the taunting of the Tottenham fans. Something that I think they used to call um, St. Tottering Day, where they would traditionally always celebrate finishing higher than Tottenham Hotspur. That hasn't happened now for four years. No, I, I, I'm not too sure. I'm not too familiar with that, I must say. Uh, Caruso, but uh, something that uh, makes this rivalry, I think, even more fierce at the moment is is now it's branched into the women's game. Now you would have seen last night both sides played against each other, uh, Arsenal uh, and and Spurs uh, killing out a playing out a one all draw. It's great to see that there's a packed stadium there as well um, and, and playing against one another. So this rivalry isn't just about the first division. It now you know goes across to many different factors of the world of football. Absolutely, and that's a really exciting to see that that, that rivalry is now carried over to the women's as well. Before we reveal our number one, we do have a couple more honourable mentions to bring up. Again, very related in terms of clubs very close by to other clubs that we've mentioned in this section here. And the first one we're going to do, we're going to go back to Lancashire. We mentioned the Manchester Derby beforehand, but there was another one just as fierce and one very close to the heart of someone on um, Triple H Sports, 
we are going to be talking about the East Lancashire derby between Burnley and Blackburn Rovers. Yeah, another one that we uh, love here on the bench purely because of the the love Keith Dupolsky has for for Blackburn and uh, his hatred for for Burnley, um, which uh, makes it all the more fun. But yeah, a good rivalry, a good sort of like traditional rivalry in England that not too many people would know of, but still uh, strong nonetheless. Absolutely. This one, though, has been dominated in terms of the the record. Well, was dominated for a long time by Burnley, but then Blackburn Rovers sort of came back to them during their heydays. Um, it's now very the, – the record between this one is very close with uh, one win between the two teams uh, out of 104 matches, a very, very tight rival here. And who knows, given what might be happening with Burnley so far this year and with and with um, Blackburn Rovers sort of on the ascendancy, we could see this happening again. It's pretty close, isn't it, really? I mean, Burnley, though, have managed to survive over a year, so I'm not counting their uh, their eggs just yet. Absolutely. Well, let's see. Let's see what happens with that one there, but we wouldn't mind seeing that one come up again. Another one, and we're going to jump over across the uh, the across the divide, uh, back over to Yorkshire, and we're going to look at a rivalry that has been built out of manufacturing. We talk about cultural uh, rivalries once again, and it's the Steel City Derby, Sheffield United, and Sheffield Wednesday. Another same city derby uh, that, uh, you know, within their own right, matches themselves on the same competitiveness. Obviously, Sheffield uh, United had that uh, fleeting season in the Premier League where they did did really well, and then the following (laughs) year were just woeful, which was a real shame. But, you know, this is a historic derby. You know, this has been around for a very, very long time, Uh, rich in history, and you know, and grows every every year. You know, both uh, both sides of the coin don't like each other, even though they live in the same city. Um, you can't be a fan of both. You can only be a fan of one when you grow up and you're born into it in the Steel City. Absolutely, and they're back on it again. So it's a, a great rivalry to to see sort of fire up once again. But as we always say, Dom, there can only be one. And when we talk about rivalries, we're going to talk about a rivalry that not only is competitive on the field, but really has raised the ire for authorities, both involved with football and involved with um, law enforcement. This typifies what English soccer hooliganism was all about. It is the Dockers derby between Millwall and West Ham United. The... Fiercest rivalry in 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 world in world football, uh, I think uh, by country mile. Uh, not just you know uh, for its, uh, uh, I would say it's it it's matchups because there hasn't really been that many between the two sides. West Ham obviously always be the more successful sides, but this rivalry goes beyond football. The, you know, there's historically been very fierce there's been lots of fighting between fans over the years there's been a movie about it right you remember it yeah. the football hooligan movie the, um, firm. the firm that's right and you know there's it, it, it's so strong that you know that's uh exactly you know why it, it's it, it's perceived that way and you know why you always know, say this you know like hollywood films aren't a great depiction of of what uh culture really is like but in this one you know, whilst it is 
glorified. It's it, it's pretty accurate in the sense of where um, the hatred really lies. And, you know, if you, uh, you, if you are at this game late at night, the last thing you want to be doing is, is, is hanging around for too long. You want to be watching the game and you want to be getting out pretty quickly because uh, there, there, there is organized fights ready to happen after these two play each other. Well, you, you mentioned that film, The Firm, and what, what made it really accurate was the fact that they actually had an actor in there who was – a fan of one of those two clubs. Gary Oldman is a Millwall supporter. So he knows what it's like to be down on the street, standing your ground as those West Ham United fans would come at you. The, the rivalry between these two has been has been nothing short of intense. And, you know, if we talk about matches on the field, not actually that many matches played against them. If you look at all the matches that have ever been played against them, 99 matches between them. Millwall leads that 38 to 34. But if you look at what they call first class, which is any match in the football league, they've only played each other 28 times. And West Ham leads that 10 to 7, although there have been 11 draws. But what is lopsided about it is West Ham's record by goals up 42 to 29. Yeah, West Ham have always been the strongest side, but uh, I think that's even more... Uh, as I mentioned, the the, the the rivalry with this one is less on the field. It's very off the field. You know, there's, you know, in, you know most infamously, the 2009 Upton Park riots where uh, the Millwall supporters invaded the pitch during a 3-1 win for West Ham and, you know, in a, where Millwall supporters ended up being stabbed. You know, that's just one example of the the long-standing rivalry between the two sides. They first met back in 1897. That's how long this rivalry has been going for. You know, both glides have, you know, well, back in the day, they used to have uh, great names for their stadium. West Ham had the bowling ground. Well, and Millwall still does have the Den, which is, I think, a great name for for a stadium. But the, like I mentioned, it's it's those kind of stories, like the the the, the right. The riot at uh, Upton Park in 2009, which really summarised the ferociousness of this match. Well, so much so that they had to board up the famous sculpture of Sir Bobby Robson outside celebrating the World Cup win. They had to board that up to protect it from the, for the fears that the Millwall fans will find it and go, you know what, this looks like something we could absolutely destroy. That's uh, that's probably the first thing that came on their mind is they, they heard about something being built and they were like, we're going to destroy it. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the rivalry has sort of died off a little bit because these two haven't seen each other in, in matches in, a, in quite a while. And also... Um, West Ham moving from Upton Park over to the Olympic Stadium. But you can be guaranteed, so it's sort of now taken on that they're both on opposite sides of the uh, of the River Thames. But it, that doesn't matter. If they find each other, they'll find each other. And needless to be said, everyone will know about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, 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 there's organised crime units uh, designed to stop these kind of, these kind of, uh, uh, fans getting together. Yeah, absolutely. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, the biggest rivalry in English football. It is the Dockers Derby between Millwall and West Ham United. That is full-time year. Yes, Mike Dean has blown the whistle and it looks like he's going to get out of this ground with his life still intact. 
And uh, boy, I, I think we're just thankful we got through this as well. My many thanks to Dom Rizzuto for joining us here. We've got a few more of these coming, and I think there might be one coming from uh, continental Europe coming soon. Absolutely, and I look forward to getting into uh, the world rivalries um, outside of English football. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been... Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. On behalf of the Spicy Chorizo, Dom Rosito, I'm Anthony the Bull Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.